welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. five weeks at Follow Baptist Church, we're going to be doing a DNA series. It's a chance to look at central things for us as a church and what is most important. Each week we're going to look at a different core value, we're going to unpack that, and we hope and pray that you're inspired by who God's called us to be and what He wants us to do. At Follow Baptist Church, we love the Word of God. We believe that it is living and active, and we aim to teach and preach it faithfully each week order to honour God and encourage his people to action. The word of God will be central to who we are and all we do as a church. We pray that our congregation will learn God's word, not just as head knowledge, but also to apply to our everyday lives. As we say it follow, if our theology doesn't go from our head to our hearts to our feet as we share the gospel, it is an incomplete theology and an immature spirituality. We believe the Bible is inspired of God and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We believe it is far more than a history book. It is living and active and shapes our thoughts and attitudes to better reflect Christ. The world around us and the values of our society always changes, but God's word remains. As Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God Induce forever. Well done, John and Cheryl. We had a core team meeting during the week, and I wanted these guys to be able to um, help communicate the vision. So I didn't tell them. I just told them we're having a core team meeting. They got there, and a camera was uh, set up and ready to go. So they did really well um, sharing some of the vision. Today, we're starting a new DNA series, and we're going to be exploring the things that, for us, are most important here as a church. Uh, if you go to our website uh, in your own time, I think it's going to come up on the screen now, but if you go to the website uh, or if you uh, you know do that in your own time or if you get bored during this sermon, you can go on your smartphone and have a look. And as you go to the website, you'll find our DNA core values. So there's a whole lot of values there that talk about who we are as a church, things like the fact that we're Christ-centered and gospel-compelled, we're committed to prayer, and there's a whole lot of different things there. In the next few years, in the month of February, we're going to actually teach through those DNA points. But this February, in the first week of March, we're going to focus on a, a little bit that's just above that, which is titled Our Key Focuses. And so over the next five weeks, we'll be unpacking these things. As the video showed this morning, our first key focus is Bible teaching and training. And so today we've introduced something new. And if you notice on the aisles there, that there's a stack of Bibles at the end of each row. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you want to follow along today, you can grab one of those and read along with us. If you don't own a Bible, if you don't have a Bible at home, if you've never had a Bible before, then that Bible is for you to keep. So please take that home today as our gift to you. Uh, We're really passionate about getting the Bible in people's hands because we know that it's life-changing. And so you can grab that today. If you happen to be reading from one of those today, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 38. Or if you've got a church Bible, it's page 760. There you go, I saved you a few minutes. Acts chapter 20. We're going to start at verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. 
I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plot of the Jews. You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. That is the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Now we've talked a lot about this since follow started. We've talked about the fact that our job is to go and to sow, but only God can grow. And so our job is to tell people about Jesus and to be a blessing to the world around us, but only God can change a heart. We can't manipulate people to be Christians. We can't um, even convince them. We can't twist their arm. It's got to be a work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in their heart calling them to Jesus. And so that's what Paul is saying here, that I'm innocent of the blood of the people that I have preached to, not because they've all been saved, but because I've done what my role is, and that is to share the gospel of God's grace. And so he can stand before God one day knowing that he has fulfilled what he's meant to fulfill. And so then he says to the elders, now for you, keep watch over yourselves. And all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those being sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and he prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. What we're reading in this portion of scripture is a farewell. I was just talking to Greg this morning before the service and he just went over to China on business this week and um, he's coming close to retirement and it's going to be the last time he probably goes over and meets with those people after dealing with them for 20 years. And so leaving those people and coming back to Australia is exciting because he's retiring, but it's also sad because of the relationships he's built. Uh, Perhaps you've got parents that live overseas and um, they're getting on in age and you've had to take them to the airport after a trip not knowing whether they'll ever be well enough to come back or whether you'll ever have the chance to get back where they are, and you'll know if you've been in that situation that it's a difficult circumstance. Maybe you've sat on a deathbed with someone, and you can see the illness is taking over, and it's not long until they pass away, and you just think as you're leaving the hospital that day, I wonder whether I will ever get the opportunity to see this person again. It's a sad, emotional time. And so you can imagine this situation with Paul would be highly charged emotionally, He must be feeling a little bit this way, wondering and thinking that he's never going to see these people again. Now, earlier in the passage, uh, before we started reading this morning, uh, we can read that Paul had just sailed on a ship and he'd gone right past Ephesus. 
And he continued on about 50 k's and he'd arrived at a place called Miletus. But when he gets to this little place, he actually sends a message back to Ephesus and he asks the elders and the pastors from there to come to Miletus to meet up with him. He's got a message to communicate with them. What we're reading about is kind of like the first ever pastors conference where all the pastors are coming from Ephesus. They're gathering at Miletus to hear the wisdom of this man, Paul. It would be a little bit like uh, all the pastors in the Cadinia Shire getting a letter this week in the mailbox, uh, being invited personally to go and hear Billy Graham speak in Frankston. It's 50 k's away, um, and Billy Graham's an amazing man, and so if we got a letter like that, we would uh, clear the schedule, wouldn't we? We wouldn't want to miss it. Whatever's happening, we'd put it on the back burner. We would make time to go and hear Billy Graham because he's been a phenomenal man. He's had a huge impact on the world, and God has used him in incredible ways. And to sit under the wisdom of a man like that with all of his life experience and ministry experience would be invaluable. There would be so much as as young people in ministry that we could glean from a person like that. And so this situation would be a little bit similar for these guys at Ephesus going to meet with Paul. He would be like a father figure, a guy that's had an impact, a huge impact on the world around him. But for these guys, it would be more emotional than it would be for us to meet Billy Graham. The reason for that is as we read through the New Testament, we see that Paul's missionary journeys previously took him to Ephesus and he actually stopped and spent around about three years of his life uh, doing ministry there. And so he journeyed with these very men um, and for three years of his life living with them in Ephesus. And so Paul had a deep love, a really deep love for the city of Ephesus. In fact, there's an entire letter in the New Testament, uh, the letter to the Ephesians that was written precisely for them around about six years later. But in today's passage, when the men arrive on about three days later, in verse 18, he says to them these words. He says, you know how I lived among you the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And so we see from the language he uses with these people that have gathered together that his time in Ephesus was a significant time of ministry as he preached publicly, visited pastorally and encouraged and strengthened the church. It's also clear from what he says that it wasn't always an easy time. He faced great opposition from the Jews and also from others. Uh, Just in the previous chapter, Acts chapter 19, we read that Paul is preaching against false idols and that led to the loss of income for people producing those idols and as a result there was a huge riot in Ephesus. And so when Paul thinks about this city, he would have had mixed emotions, times of trouble and strife but also great times of ministry as he preached the gospel. And so it's clear that for Paul, Ephesus holds a special place in his heart And he loves the people there and they also love him deeply. If you skip to the end of our passage today, you'll see the emotion and maybe even feel the emotion of what happens when they finally say farewell. It says, Paul, when he had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and he prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. And what grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Now, this was a Roman city, uh, modern day Turkey. But as I was reading through the passage this week, I couldn't help but think of my own childhood and my best friend who was an Italian boy called John. And John, I used to go over with him quite regularly to visit his nonna. 
And I'll never forget his nonna, because every time we went there, she had the spaghetti amid the balls. And, and, and I just never forget how much we were forced to eat. You would eat one bowl and, uh, would you like some more meat the ball? Uh, uh, no, thank you. Oh, come on, you need a more meat the ball. And she starts squeezing your cheeks. And you, she was kind of scary, like she was a real boss. And, and you're just a bit scared of her. I think there may have been mafia connections. And so when she said, you eat the meat the ball, you eat the meat the ball, like your life depended on it, because maybe it did. And so I'll never forget John's nonna. But the other thing I won't forget about Nonna is that every time we left, the embrace she would give little John. Now, little John wasn't really that little. He was a, a brute of a guy. He was kind of like my bodyguard. I'd give cheek to people and he'd stick up for me. And so he was a great guy to have around. But he was a big boy. And I remember every time we would leave Nonna's house, I'd never forget the embrace he would get. And she would hug him. Oh, Johnny boy. I love you, Johnny. You're like a young Marlon Brando. You're awesome, Johnny boy. You'll come back tomorrow for me meet the ball. You'll come back tomorrow, Johnny. And I'll never forget, you know, the hugs and the kiss. And when I say kiss, I mean like plural. There were lots of kisses. Uh, you know, I never, don't know if you've noticed, but grandmas are great at kissing. My grandma, uh, she goes straight for the lips. It's like pucker up, you know, and she comes straight in for the kiss on the lips. And, and I ride that train all the way to the last station. Then I turn my face and she gets me on the cheek. And so... Uh, I've learnt that she's very fast and so I've got to be very quick as well. Um, she's now 90 and she may visit this church so please don't mention that I am psychologically scarred by her kisses. But it's true and there's some relatives here today that know exactly what I'm talking about. But I can just imagine this farewell for Paul. It would have been a similar situation. Um, not grandma kissing him on the lips, but you know what I mean. There's emotion, there's tears, there's slobber, there's sniffling, uh, makeup's running, maybe not makeup, but you know what it's me- I mean. It's emotional and it's sad that this is the last time they will ever see Paul. And so what I'm trying to get across today is simply this, that Paul has gathered these people together, these people he has a deep love for. It may be the last time he ever sees them. And so when he gathers them together, he wants to communicate the things that are of most importance. I don't think Paul gathered the guys and said, come on together, guys. Uh, now, how's your super coach team going? Have you got Gary Ablett Jr. this year? Uh, what rookies have you got on the field? I don't think he's talking about super coach, although now that I'm talking about it, um, this year at Follow, we're having a super coach competition. And we see it as a missional opportunity. We've got lots of friends who are pre-Christian, who just love super coach. And so we're going to uh, invite them into the league. And so if you want to join the league on the Facebook page, you'll find the code. You can talk to Dave Griffiths, who's organising it. And we're going to do some things like an Anzac Day barbecue, where we can invite our friends and a maybe a black tie presentation night on Brownlow Medal Night at the end of the year. And it'll be a great chance to connect with people. But the thing is that I don't think Paul was talking about super coach or something that superficial, although as I keep telling my wife, that is a legitimate missional activity. (laughs) He's passing on to these leaders of the church in Ephesus that which was of most importance. And if I could sum it up with one sentence, what he says to these elders and other people that he's passing advice on to, I would say this, he is saying, be faithful to the Bible, to God's word, and teach it faithfully, passing it on to future generations. Now, one of the things that excites me most about a church plant is not even so much the present, I'm excited about the present, what God's doing now, but I'm so excited about what God's going to do in the future for our kids and our kids' kids. And some of the things that we're praying for and believing for, we may not even see in our lifetime, but I pray long after we're gone, that Follow Baptist Church will still exist, still be lifting up the name of Jesus, there'll still be people coming to know him, and we'll be having an impact for the glory of God. And that excites me no end. 
And so he's saying to these guys, I want you to be faithful to the word and I want you to pass it on to people. Let me read to you again what he said. He said, you know that I haven't hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. I've taught you publicly from house to house, declared to both Jews and Greeks, those who are interested, those who are not, that they must turn to God in repentance, have faith in Jesus. Now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Don't know what's going to happen there. What I do know is it's going to be difficult. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What is the task? It's of testifying to the good news of God's grace. None of you will see me again. Um, therefore, I declare I'm innocent of the blood of all people, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. And so keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. You know that when I leave, savage wolves will come in amongst you. They won't spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will rise up. They'll distort the truth. They'll draw people like disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember, for three years, I didn't stop warning you with tears about this. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. You know, if the Apostle Paul was here today, giving us a last piece of advice. If he was running one last pastor's conference, I think his advice would be exactly the same today, maybe even more importantly than, than any time in history. And his advice would be this, be faithful to the Bible. To a young Timothy, when he's giving him some parting words of wisdom, he said, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, now entrust to reliable people, who will also be qualified to teach others. He then goes on to say, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their eyes and their ears away from the truth and they'll turn aside to miss. But you... Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Paul is encouraging these men to be faithful to the word. And so these elders, I believe, faithfully did that. They went on and eventually God inspired them and, and many others to faithfully keep teaching the word of God. And so much so that some of them uh, were inspired by God to write down what he had already told them. And we now have the canon, the Old Testament and the New Testament scripture that is given to us. And so these men here who Paul was asking to be faithful, we now live on the other side of their obedience as they faithfully preach the word. And I believe there are many other people in our region and beyond who will be on the other side of our obedience as we are true and faithful to the word as well. This is why here at Follow Baptist Church, we want to train and teach people in the Bible. This is why we want to be a church that's biblically literate, not illiterate. We want to be a church that teaches our children the truth of the Bible. We want to know this Bible because it's a story of God's love demonstrated most powerfully in Christ Jesus. And so we want to be a church that is known to value the Bible. Why? What is so important about this book, you might ask? Well, some people say it's simply an instruction manual for life. Now, if you love the Bible and you've been to Ikea, you'll probably know that it's more than just an instruction manual. 
I get those manuals and they're so confusing at times that I, I end up just throwing it aside and trying to work it out on my own. I just completely disregard it and it seems to work out better that way. The end result is that it works better, that we don't waste an entire day of our lives and we don't put our fist through the wall at the same time. And so we just throw the manual away and we do it by ourselves. Now, if we were to do that with the Bible, like many people have, uh, just throw it away and do life themselves, you will see that it doesn't lead to life and life to the full because you don't actually encounter Christ. We encounter Christ through the Bible. And so it's more than just an instruction manual. It's got some great wisdom and advice for life, but it's so much more than just an instruction manual. Other people say it's like a GPS. The GPS things you put in your car. Now, my frustrations with GPS units are well documented, and even though with my sense of direction I always need one, I tend to get lost even when I've got one. They don't seem to get me to my destination. And then when I get lost, not only am I already annoyed, but now I have this annoying little condescending voice that's telling me that I'm lost. And I blame them. It's their fault. I'm lost because of them. Now, I don't know about you, but I plug mine into my car audio system. And so I plug it in, and when it yells out the instructions at me, the songs don't actually pause. They just continue in the background. And so um, you tend to miss your favourite songs, which is quite frustrating. But the other thing that I find difficult is that I've got to type in the address of my destination before I leave. You can't do it when you're driving. That's dangerous and illegal. And so you've got to type it in before you leave, even though you know 90% of the directions you need to take to get to your destination. And so from the very moment you start, your music starts and it starts streaming and that's great. But these instructions start as well. And it starts by telling you to get out of your street. And so it says things like this. At the end of your street, turn on the village way. Music for five seconds. Turn right. In 100 metres, turn right onto Henry Road. Turn right. In 100 metres, turn left onto Cadinia Road. Turn left. In 500 metres, turn right onto the M1 motorway. In 100 metres, turn right onto the M1 motorway towards Dandenong. Five seconds of song. Turn right. Now, by this stage, you can write off the first song. Hopefully, it's not one of your favourites. It's on shuffle, so hopefully you get a bad one, and you can just write that one off. And you finally get out into the M1, and you think, great, for the next whatever time, I I don't need instructions so I can be in peace and quiet, and it's usually just as your favourite song comes on. And, And it's, you know, you just want to belt it out, you don't care what people think, and so you're yelling it out as you're singing it along, and you get to the chorus and the, and the drums kick in, and I'm, a, I'm an expert at drums on the steering wheel, and so I'm like, about to kick into that chorus, and just as I do that, the GPS yells out something inappropriate and unnecessary, like, continue on the M1 for the next 27 kilometres. I'm like, I don't need to know that. You yell out to me when I'm 50 metres from my exit. And so now, I've missed the chorus, it's stuffed up my, my favourite song, I'm now in a bad mood, and my day has been wrecked. Even the voice on that unit is so impersonal, isn't it? I mean, you can you can sort of customise it to be Darth Vader or Sean Connery, but deep down you still just know that it's a it's a machine with a really nasty streak. <laughs> so the Bible is not just the GPS, although it does have some similarities. Like a GPS, it tells us that we are lost, but unlike a GPS, it helps us not to be lost because every part of this book points to Jesus, who says, "I am the way." Like a GPS, it points to an end destination, but unlike a GPS, it can actually lead us there because it points to Jesus who says, I'm not only the way, but I'm the truth and I'm the life and no one gets to the Father except through me. 
like a GPS, you hear a voice, but it's not an impersonal one. It's not Darth Vader, but it is the voice of the Father. And he speaks to us. The GPS adds confusion and noise, but the Bible brings peace and clarity, helping us to cut through the noise of this world. So what makes this book so different? Why is it so much more than an instruction manual for life or a GPS? It's so much more because it's God's word. The creator of the universe spoke and he's given us his word. I love what Augustine said. He said, the Holy Scriptures are our letters from home. Don't you love that? Holy Scriptures are our letters sent to us from home. The Bible says that we are people who don't belong here. We are aliens and strangers. We're of another world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're from a different kingdom, the kingdom of God. And the king of the kingdom has sent us a a love letter that tells us all about his son. And he's given us that. He's spoken by his word. And so why would we want to live our lives by anything else when we've been given the very words of life? Now, people around us will say and think one thing, and the world's values and morals and ideas will continue to change and chop and move, and the goalposts will shift, and it would make sense for us to live by those values if we were of this world. But we're not. It's not our home. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. Church, there is power in God's word. Hebrews 1 says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, every verse, every chapter, every letter, every author points to the same thing. It all screams out Jesus Christ. It all points to him, every single part of it, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. It all culminates in Jesus' death and his resurrection and the new life that comes in a relationship with him. This book is the divine, eternal, unchanging word that points to life and life in all of its fullness through Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, Jesus. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This book is so precious because it's God's word, and he introduces us to his son, Jesus, in every part of it. That's why Paul is pleading with these teachers of the word, whatever you do, be faithful to God's word. Not just the easy parts, not just the parts that are popular or politically correct, not just to people who agree, but both to Jews and Greeks. And in verse 20, he says, you know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that'll be helpful to you. Verse 27, for I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Verse 32, now I commit you to God and the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. You see, in the word of God, we meet Jesus. I've got to say, the devil hates it. He wants to distract us from the word. He wants us to doubt the word. He wants us to neglect the word. He wants us to disobey the word. And so it's so important that as a church, we are faithful to the word. Now, the analogy that Paul uses in this scripture is the analogy of a shepherd and sheep and wolves. 
And, you know, Jesus says himself, he's the good shepherd. And so he's appointed people under him who I would call under shepherds. And their job is to oversee uh, the people or the flock that has been entrusted to them. But the truth is there are wolves that want to come in and want to wreck the, the flock. They want to teach the wrong things. He said, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you. And will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And so the job of elders or pastors or overseers, they're all the same thing in scripture, is to feed, protect and care for the people that have been entrusted to them. Now, in the picture Paul uses, there are wolves coming from the outside, but they're also rising up from the inside. Now, it's fair to say that a wolf coming from the outside is a lot easier to spot. They look like a wolf. They're trying to slink in. They're they're outwardly anti-Christ. They criticize the church. They hate religion. Um, And so it's easy to spot the wolves who are trying to to wreck things from the outside, but the ones inside are a little bit more difficult to spot because they present like sheep. They look holy. They come across as religious and eloquent. They're committed to church services. They even go, bah, sometimes. So you think that's a sheep, but it's actually not a sheep. It's a wolf. And what I've seen that these people, they're very difficult to spot, but what I have noticed is consistent with people like this is that they're self-seeking. They have strange ideas. They cause division. They bear no real fruit. And they gather people to their own opinion like little disciples. Church, we need to be on guard. So how do we know the difference between sheep and wolves? Well, we know by what they teach. So we need to be on guard so we don't get tricked, conned, and deceived by those who present as sheep but are really wolves. And so this passage tells us how can we be safe? Well, the first thing is by having godly leadership in place, people that will care as shepherds for the flock. Now here at Follow Baptist, uh, currently we have a core team of men and women whose job is to to care for the flock, to oversee the vision of the church, to to encourage and rebuke and and help people in our congregation. But God willing, by mid-year, we're hoping to have elders and deacons in place and they will be be people who will actually have that job of doing those exact things um, as they understand um, what God is calling us to do and as they care for people in the church. And so they will be people, elders and deacons, who will care for the flock with transparency, with accountability, and with wisdom filled with the Holy Spirit, but very importantly, guided by the Word of God. So important that we have people like that in place. But the second reason, second way we can protect ourselves from people who present as sheep but are actually wolves is to make sure that individually we're disciplined in the Word. That each and every day we're in the Word, that we're wrestling with it, that we, we come to church and we hear it proclaimed in our services. That we join an MCG where we'll learn to to self-feed and then wrestle with each other in scripture to bring accountability and encouragement and discernment as we do that, as we look at God's word. And so it's so important that we are disciplined in the word. So if we want to be protected, we have godly leadership in place and we also know the word for ourselves so we're not easily conned. Church, we've been given the greatest gift. Not only have we received the Holy Spirit, God dwelling in us, but he has spoken and he has given us his word. So as a church, we want to be known as people who love the Bible. Why? Because it's God's word. We want to teach it. We want to train it. We want to stand on it. We want to proclaim it. Why? Because it contains the words of life. 
eternally, irre- eternally relevant, eternally powerful, because it all points to Jesus and it follows Baptist Church. He is our vision. And our mission is to follow Jesus in our community for his glory. And so we need to be people who stand on his word. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much for your word. And we know it's life-changing. We know it's eternal. We know that it carries the very words of life because our creator God breathed the words that we have. And so as we live our lives on it, uh, we will we'll grow to know him in a greater way through his son. Lord, we thank you that your whole word points to Jesus and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father except through him. And so as we come to know Jesus, Lord, I pray that we would come to know him in a great way and a personal way, receiving him as our Lord and Savior. This morning, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to give opportunity to people here that may not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This book talks all about him. He introduces us to him and through his word we can get to know him. And the reason that's so important is that the only hope we have of eternal life is found in him. The Bible says that when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior and we accept what he did for us on the cross, dying in our place, taking our sins upon himself and paying the punishment for them, when we accept that, Our sins no longer are on our shoulders because Jesus has paid the price. And so he got what we deserved and we get what he deserves. Innocent, righteous, holy, forgiven in relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's the most incredible thing. It's the greatest news you can ever hear. And and each time I preach, I like to give opportunity to people to respond to that incredible good news of the grace that Paul talks about. It's undeserved love. And as I do this, I I don't take responsibility when people don't respond and I don't take any credit when they do because I know only God can do something in people's hearts. And so today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you would work in people's hearts here today. Maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking, maybe there's something in this. I want to know Jesus. I want to have that assurance of forgiveness and eternal life. Well, today that journey can start by simply praying a prayer, asking him into your life, asking for forgiveness of your sins and asking for him to be your Lord and Saviour. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if there's anyone here today that wants to accept Christ as their Lord and Saviour for the first time or you have before and you've walked away from him and you want to um, recommit to him today, I want you just to lift your hand now and say, look, that's me. Look, I want to know that when I leave this place, I'm in relationship with him. Is there anyone here today who says, look, yeah, that's me. Maybe you sense right now, Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. If there's anyone here today that wants to talk more about that at the end of the service, uh, please come and see me or any of our leaders. And we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. And we'd love to help you get started on that journey. Um, So thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.